Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. We continue, as always, to bring you information for guys before, during, and after divorce and all things related to it, including paternities, contempts, any issue you can think about outside of COVID, in COVID. You know, we've been doing this for 27 weeks, and we continue to do so twice each week where we bring you a Cordell and Cordell attorney from around the country, including the UK, and today is no different. Uh, but before we get there, as I start off every podcast, please don't take this as an attorney-client relationship. It is not legal advice. Uh, I have my licensure limitations in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia, and my guest is licensed in Pennsylvania. And many of you are watching from around the country, but more importantly, not just about your state, your case, your facts are very specific and oftentimes require an entirely different analysis and some different type of conversation. This is educational, uh, informative. We want you to take some notes uh, and then we want you to use this to go seek uh, the consult of an attorney who practices exclusively in family law like we do and like my guest does today. And so if you need a consultation, of course, we're available via Zoom like this, via telephone or in person where appropriate keeping health and safety in mind. 866-DADS-LAW, that's 866-DADS-LAW, or you can find us on the web at cordellcordell.com. Make sure to tune into our virtual town hall coming up in October, where we'll bring you uh, an hour-long topic and seminar on issues for guys in divorce and modifications and all things related to family law. More particularly, you'll have an opportunity to log in ask questions live of our panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys and get answers during that town hall. So check out uh, CordellCordell.com and our Facebook and social media for more information on how to register for that town hall coming up in October. All right, let's get going. Uh, Cassandra from Pennsylvania, welcome uh, to the show. Good morning, Scott, thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining. So as we were talking off camera and, and you and I agree, one of the uh, more common questions we get in which is today's topic is, you know, can my children testify in court? And I get it all the time. I hear it all the time. I've had the experience of it. Um, but let's start kind of at the beginning. Is custody or is children testifying in a custody matter even a factor? And you can talk about Pennsylvania and we'll talk in general about the country and those things. Absolutely. As you mentioned, yes, I'm licensed in Pennsylvania. And in Pennsylvania, when we're going through custody litigation, there are 16 factors the court is to look at. One of those factors is the child's preference based upon age and maturity. Anytime I have a client, a consult, anyone who's talking to me about this, I always say, even if you have a 14, 15 year old, it's not necessarily that that 14 or 15 year old says, I want this and that's exactly what the court's gonna do. It's not a be all end all factor. It's simply one of 16. However, it can have some weight, but it's not to be all end all, but it is a factor. Yeah. And the important like, let, me, part let me say real quickly, like in Missouri, for example, we have the same thing. And one of our factors is the choice of the child as to his custodial parent. But interestingly, and I always tell clients this, if you look at the factors, it's the last factor. And believe me, the judge is going to go down that list almost in order. And, and if that gives you any indication of whether or not it's going to have weight or whether they want to do it, now it's in the statute but it is the last factor. So sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead. No, it's funny you say that because in Pennsylvania, it's the same way that it's further down on the list and it's mm -hmm. not the very top. Yeah. And there's a reason that they say based upon age and maturity, of course, if your child is four or five, it's a bit more difficult to, mom could take the child through 
McDonald's on the way and say, you're going to tell the judge you want to stay with me, right? Yeah. And so like so in Missouri, they don't have an age. It's interesting. It is about the kind of the test determines when they can tell, you know, the difference between the truth or not. And that exactly. is a very difficult standard for a judge. And, and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the good reasons and when you shouldn't do it, but um, I'll let you keep going and talk about age and whether Pennsylvania has a, a defined marker of age and, and where they can testify and express a preference. Correct. Pennsylvania, we do not because every age is, every child is different. One 10 year old could be as mature as a 17 year old and another could be a little less mature that maybe their reasoning wouldn't be as sound or same with a, eight, 12 year old, et cetera. So that's why there is that language of based upon age and maturity. Mm -hmm. And of course there's, like you mentioned, that's can be quite difficult for a judge because there's not a dead set. Okay. Well, your child is eight. I'm not going to hear them or your child is eight. I will hear them. Yeah. It's up to them to decide and up to your attorney to talk about the pros and cons and the weight that that might hold and whether or not you actually want to put your child through that, whether or not it's worth it. And we'll get to some of the good reasons and the bad reasons, but I, for example, and I encourage people watching and listening here, uh, there are states around the country that have defined ages. For example, when I was practicing full-time in Georgia, when I opened up our Georgia office, Georgia had um, limits in terms of here's an expected age of 12 and 16, or I think it's 12 and 15, and it's absolute at the older age, meaning that when the child expresses a desire, it's absolute. The judge must follow it, absent some reason showing undue influence or, you know, those types of things, which is very interesting. So it's not as we continue to talk through this, because it is a very um, delicate subject, both from your standpoint and from ours, when we want to present this case to the judge, because judges typically don't react well to this type of request because you have to be very careful about what they'll present. Now, obviously, as we'll get into some of the good reasons, there are good reasons. You know, it could be abuse and, and, and neglect, but there are ways in order to, you know, get that testimony and extract it from them. So maybe that brings up the kind of the question for you is, if we get to that point, how is the child's preference expressed? You know, how do we get there and what is the kind of the mechanism for the child to do it? Absolutely, there's a couple different levels per se that, that that can be done the simplest and i've actually only been able to work this out one time because a lot of times obviously one parent doesn't love to hear that well my kid doesn't want to be with me mm -hmm. understandably but one time i was able to have a meeting with myself opposing party and their attorney the client and the child we sat all together and the child unfortunately had to have that tough but rather than have it in front of a judge, had it with the attorneys and the other parent then heard and was able to then agree. And we didn't necessarily have to have the child full on testify. The next area would be for the child not to have to go to court because a lot of times that's what the parents upset about. In Pennsylvania, we can do depositions where it would then be still on the record and can be submitted to the judge. However, the judge then wouldn't see the child, see their how they're expressing their concerns. So that's my least favorite way to do it because the judge can't see if the child's very upset about something, all they can do is read the words from the transcript. They can't actually see them. My personal favorite is the child's or children, 
speaking with the judge in judges chambers. That way the parents are not, not allowed in. It's the judge, the children, and the attorneys. And it's more of just a conversation like you were having right now. Judges always just make it smooth and not like the child is on law and order where they're sitting in a witness stand and feeling pressured. So I personally prefer that way because the judge can then see, see the child's expressions, see how they're responding to certain things. And they also don't feel the pressure of their parent that they don't want to be with looking at them and feeling like they can't say certain things. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell and Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. It's a difficult thing. I mean, and, and not only from the judge's perspective and how it's received, but for us as, as attorneys, um, judges often do the questioning. I've been in, involved and I would say, look, I've been doing this 27 years, uh, going on 28, and I think I can count on both hands the number of times I've done this. And it's probably seven, maybe eight, uh, that I've had a child testify uh, in chambers. I had one in court who was an older teen. Uh, but they were fact specific. We had parental alienation allegations. The child had bought into it, thought our client was you know, responsible for all of this and we needed to get to the source of where this information came from. Um, and those were good reasons to, to kind of elicit that. And it's risky, it's very risky because it can backfire on you in that it's very similar to a drug test. Uh, my clients are always like, drug tester, drug tester. I'm like, okay, are you gonna test clean? Well, you know, what does that mean? You know, so it's, it's, it's a real risky. So if they drug test her and she's clean, it backfires. If they drug test her and she's dirty, but she asks one for you and it backfires. So again, it's kind of one of those things where there's some good reasons and how it's happening. So maybe you can share some other good reasons and how and why we would want to make that request. Absolutely. Another thing, like you mentioned, it can be a risk because yeah, your child might tell you one thing, but then they could get in court and clam up or feel upset and say something different, unfortunately. So it is a risk. But absolutely good reasons can include alienation. Well, and I had a case where that specific issue was why a 16-year-old did not want to be with dad. So like anytime I'm with him, and I had mom in that case, actually. Um, anytime... I'm with him, he's talking poorly about my mother. He's saying inappropriate things. So she didn't feel comfortable with dad. Yeah. Another one is, yeah, if there is past abuse, which you touched on before. And actually that is another one of Pennsylvania's factors if there's any past abuse committed by either party. So they kind of tie together in that sense. Right. Or, well, whenever I'm at the parent's house that I don't want to be at, I just don't feel comfortable. I don't feel like I can talk to them. Or this one is a bit of a touchy subject. If that parent is remarried and they really don't like the other new party's new romantic partner, mm -hmm. that can tie into not feeling comfortable, not feeling happy, not feeling like they can express themselves. Those are all issues that can go into good reasons. Or whenever I'm at 
whichever parent they don't want to be with, there's bad things happening. I've had issues where whenever I met dads or moms, she's drinking a lot. She's doing drugs. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. I'm seeing bad things that shouldn't be happening. Right. If you, if you look through it, it's, it's interesting as I think, you know, through all the scenarios in which I've had a child testify where, you know, you kind of, my theory has always been kind of the, the um, last resort. And I get it. I understand it. For, for example, Missouri does have some good case law that suggests the court must listen to the child. Um, but I think it's one of last resort because, you know, judges don't want to, whether it's found in logic, rationality, factual basis, they don't want the child involved. Uh, and it better be the darn good reason test. And meaning that there's no other third party or extraneous evidence or way to get this testimony in or way to get this, you know, allegation proven, but for that child. And it may be. Um, like for example, and I've had this, um, there were five kids, uh, they were all teens and they all wanted to go separately. Uh, you know, three wanted to go with dad, two wanted to go with mom, the two younger ones. And mom was insistent on taking all five, but the, the older three were insistent. They didn't want to go. We had the older three testify in camera or in chambers about their wish and why and explain it. And for us, it became, it was a he said, she said, and there was really no other good way. We didn't have a guardian ad litem. We didn't have a psychologist, which I'll talk about in a minute. So that, you know, I assume that um, there are instances when siblings have different opinions that that's going to matter. Absolutely. It's, I have a case with an extremely similar fact pattern where there were five children. The oldest did not want to go with the mother. Did not want to. He just, she, anytime he tried to do anything, she'd scream at him. She actually, there was physical abuse as well. So he did not want to go with mother in any way, shape, or form. The younger four, they were, well, the younger four, they were obviously younger. There was a 14-year-old, 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old. So the 10 and 8-year-old, they were a little less, their opinions would have held a little less weight due to their age but they were more okay with at least going with mom on occasion. They didn't have the strongest. So with that one, yes, we had the oldest son and the oldest daughter testify. The younger two, they didn't have to, but those two we did, and dad did retain primary, which was fantastic and actually full of their son, with the son only having to go with mom for dinner visits and occasion, like weekends not have to spend the night there because of his very strong opinion against it. Yeah. And he was also 17 at the time. And I think that, you know, at that age, it's certainly judges will look at it differently. And the older they go, they all, you know, they, they take the position of, look, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to have that input. I want them to have, they're mature enough, presumably, uh, to help and assist the court making the right decision. Because, you know, you have a third party who doesn't know that family unit trying to make a decision that's going to last for quite some time. So I think it's definitely a factor. And in that case, the judge did mention, okay, well, at least for just the son, he's only going to be under this custody order for another year. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to link all of these kids to his exact preference. However, I am kind of taking what is happening to him into account with the other children, which was very interesting. So, you know, the alternative I've always told my clients, and it's it's expensive, is a a psychologist. Yes. Um, is to get them to talk to a psychologist who can then interview both mom and dad and the kids, you know, get it a court appointed. The best 
potential. I was just talking to some judges this weekend um, where they have a preference of getting a court-appointed psychologist rather than your own. And I get it because it's a hired gun and they, they're not impartial in some respects, you would think. But if you can get a court-appointed psychologist who can interview the kids and, and kind of not necessarily talk about, you know, there's some evidentiary objections, you know, whether he or say can come in and what the kids said, but if it's not offered necessarily for truth, but more for recommendations and analysis and really forensically analyzing the, you know, the relationships, that preference will come through, through a psychologist in their report. And that's a much easier way, especially someone who's trained, uh, unlike you, me, judge, to question a child in a setting that does the least amount of psychological damage, right? And doesn't put them under the pressure that they otherwise would have. So I think psychologist is definitely something that that guys should consider. I completely agree. And another option, as you touched on earlier, is a guardian ad litem, which their job is to quite literally represent the child. So they will talk to both parents, they'll talk to the child or children, and they at the end have to write a report based on what they feel is best. And that's another way where the child's preference can absolutely be heard without the child having to set foot in the courthouse. Yeah. I mean, it is, Pennsylvania, it, we it, also have special interest attorneys that their right. job is quite literally, whether they agree with the child or not, to express the child's preference. Right. And that brings us kind of as we run out of time. The last uh, thought is, as you were suggesting, you know how kids are, especially younger, they want to please both mom and dad. They don't want to be in the middle. So they get, they do stick themselves in the middle and they try to be an arbiter and they want to avoid conflict. So do you often see kids telling each parent what they want to hear? Yes. I've run into that a few times where clients will come or consult and they genuinely have the child told me this, I feel horrible. They want to be with me and I just want what's best for my kid. And then a month, two months down the road, mom and dad finally have a talk and say, well, the child told me this, the child told me that. And they come to talk to the child and really the child is, well, look, I was just trying to make you both happy. I'm, I'm sorry. So I always tell my clients, like you mentioned, I want this to be the last case scenario. But of course, if the child has a strong preference, yeah. that's what it's there for. Right. But putting the kids in the middle isn't the best place to start because a lot of times, sometimes a child will say what you want to hear and then it will backfire on you in the future. I mean, there's a reason it's in the statute. We don't want to discourage it. I mean, if you don't exercise it, there's no point in having it in the statute or in the law and across the country, but it proceed with caution, just like anything. It's for me, as I recommend to clients, it's about having that conversation with your attorney and you're listening now, you know, as you're taking these notes, have that conversation. Is it worth it? Do a cost benefit analysis. How much damage it could it do to my case and how much benefit could it help? And I think that, and you'll agree, that's kind of the approach, right? That's every single time I have a client who wants to have the child come in, that's exactly what we sit down and do. Yeah. The pros and cons, how this could, I more so even weigh on the con side to make sure the client knows exactly what could potentially do the pros outweigh the cons and enough to, to put your child through it. Yeah. But if it's going to gain an advantage and we think it's going to come across well, we're going to do it. And Every time. Uh, yep. And so definitely have that conversation with your attorney. So Cassandra, thanks for joining and a great topic, something we haven't talked about in the 27 weeks we've been doing this. So it's good stuff. Thanks. Thank you very much. As always, continue to tune in twice each week. We'll bring you topics like this, just like today. If you have questions and you want to consult, obviously in Pennsylvania or around the country, you can reach us at 866 866- 
Dad's Law, or find us again on the web, CordellCordell.com. Tune into our virtual town hall in October. You can register online at CordellCordell.com or on social media. Until next time, have a great week.